Have you ever wondered why some young people choose to end their lives? Ever wondered who they are and who they left behind? Have you ever wanted to hear their stories? Would you like answers to these questions and many more? Welcome to Suicide Pages with Dr. Lulu. Her mission is to shine light on these young people, create awareness for, and educate the world on youth suicide. Opinions expressed in this podcast are those of Dr. Lulu and her guests. They are not a substitute for professional advice. If you are experiencing suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-TALK or send a text to www.crisistextline.org. Now, here's Dr. Lulu. She was actually sent to me by another acquaintance, Miss Vanessa Abrams Ingram, who's doing things bigly in the mental health world, and I'm thankful. She's going to share a personal story of tragedy with us, and it's going to span across time, family, acquaintances, and really, essentially, as most of my stories have been, is a story of survival. So, Miss Dee Dee McCoy, without further ado, can you please take it away? Thank you. Okay. Hello, everyone. It is such a blessing to be here with you today. Thank you. I just, I feel like my journey and the reason that I'm doing this is because we as African Americans have to get away from the stigma that getting therapy, getting help, dealing with our mental health issues means that we're crazy or Somebody's going to say something about us. Who cares if they say anything about us? We don't care what they say. We don't care if somebody says anything. If we break our leg, we got a bum leg. We don't care if we walk in the street drunk and somebody says something about us being drunk. We don't care if somebody says something about our orange hair and our green hair and our purple hair. See, we wear it with glory. We wear it with strength. We love it. We need to be as the same vigor and the same response and the same fearlessness to go about our mental health. We needed to treat it with the same vigor because it came from somewhere. You did not get it yesterday. Some things come from childhood trauma. Some things come from adult trauma. Some things are hereditary that nobody spoke about. So you didn't even know that you inherited it from someone. So we, this is why I'm doing this. This is, this is exactly why I'm doing this. So I have to, we need to get this out here. So my story today, I will be telling you about myself because we wrote a book it's called stop the stigma and embrace your mental health issues it's the name of our book it has a number one bestseller 
We on series three. I'm in series two. It's an anthology, so it's many of us in the book. And the lead person on the book is Vanessa Abrams Anderson. She is phenomenal. She leads us and leads you through to feel comfortable to tell your story. So I told my story, which I hadn't told anyone, because my family didn't want anybody to know my story. Um, we weren't going to talk about it. And it started long before it actually happened. I mean, I had seen others commit suicide. I had been on the survivor side. I have been there to find someone that had committed suicide, make it nice so that when their family came, they wouldn't see them the way that they saw. But I always kind of understood. And let me say, I'm a Christian, so I know the Christian angle. I know the, I'm not supposed to think that way. No, I wasn't supposed to think that way. But I understood the feeling of feeling abandoned, unwanted. I can't take it anymore. I'm so full that I can't, I can't breathe anymore. No one's going to miss me if I'm gone. They're going to feel better if I'm gone. All that is just in your mind. I want you to understand that because someone's going to miss you that you don't even think about when you're gone. You know, it's funny you say that. It's funny yeah. you say that. When I was depressed and when I was suicidal, that's exactly the way I felt. I felt like I was a failure, that I was a disappointment, that nobody, nobody's going to miss me. I'm better off out of their lives because their lives would be better without me. Why? It, 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 it's because that's the feeling that you're feeling. You're feeling that right now you're a burden on them. And that you're a burden with your feelings or you're shaming them. You're, sh you're feeling that way because you won't go get help. You won't go get therapy. You won't go get some medicine that gives you clarity. Well, I had gone before for therapy, but I felt like nobody wanted to hear what I had to say. So I let all that get in my head and in my subconscious and the reason i hadn't done it before is because i said you know god's gonna make me a vegetable he won't let me go until he's ready for me to go anyway and that would be worse for me <laughs> you're the, you're not the first one that said that yeah you have told me that they're so afraid that they might not they, they might not be successful and then right left with being you hit the nail on the head becoming a vegetable and oh my word that is so that's the same thread I've been having a lot of people that either attempted or didn't at all just right. decided not to do it because they don't want to deal with that, which is almost like a worst place to be, you know? You right. already feel bad, and now you're bad, and you're, yeah. I did. I said this. That's what kept me for so long not doing it because I said that that's what he would do to me because he know that would be worse for me. That would be my punishment. Then I got to the point where it was just too heavy that it didn't matter if that's what he did for me at least i would be I, I was hoping he would let me just go on to the other side so it got so stuck in my subconscious that when i committed suicide that day i didn't care any longer what i thought about is my 
that my husband was going to need the house clean. I didn't think about that, that for the funeral, the repast or whatever. So I did clean that up. Um, I was cooking for him that day. I worked in the healthcare field. So, you know, you know, the EMS, the everybody. And I, I did, I had text people trying to talk it out. Everybody was busy. Everybody was busy. Everybody was busy. And I stopped talking about 4 p.m. That was the last text on my phone. And when they found me, it was the alarm. I had left a pot on the stove. And I never do that. Never, ever do that. I left a pot on the stove. And the fire, my fire alarm in the house went off. So the fire department was called, my husband was called, and I, that's not the way this was supposed to end. My husband was supposed to come home later and everything be done, everything be finished. And the fire department, my husband came home, he said he could not get my heart to start. He could not get me to stand up. He could not, and I knew he couldn't because I had done what I'd done. I knew he wasn't going to move, but he said he couldn't get me to talk. He couldn't get me to move. Well, the EMTs that came, the fire department that came in, they knew me. They called my name out, and my husband said, he, they, he said, they, they said, move. We get her. We get her. We get her. So they did get me to, like, the little stuff that they put up under your nose. My face rose, but they, they just could get me to wake up. So all the way to the hospital. They tried to get me up. They could get a very low pulse. And I was in the hospital. And they said my husband paced and he paced and he paced. Poor but thing. here we go. Yeah. Poor thing. But see, and well, you're not thinking about the, that. And I wasn't thinking about that. Yeah, I just wanted to drive off the the bridge. I was just But I thought I would do my husband better too. I did. I thought I would be better off for my husband. My husband did. Again, here comes the stigma. My husband wouldn't call anybody to help him through this because he didn't want anybody to know what I did. Oh, wow. So everybody at the hospital kept my privacy extra because I worked there. So oh, wow. I had, you know, so, but they said my husband was meticulous. You know, I had my bracelets on. He said, I don't know how to get them off, but y'all better figure out. Don't cut them off because she's going to make it out of this. And so they kept telling him, Mr. Foster, I don't know if she's going to make this out of this. Do you know what she took? Do you know what she drank? Do you know what? He said, I don't know, but she's just sleeping. They said, no, she's not just sleeping. Her toxicology is just extremely high. So you were like, you know, were you like in a coma? Extremely high. Yeah. He was telling him. He just didn't want to. He was not taking that I had committed suicide. Oh he said she didn't God. do that. She didn't do that. Something's wrong. Mm. A medicine mix. Something's wrong. Mm. And they said he would not listen to them. He would not listen to the doctors. And of course, they gave me all the banana bags. What I want people to understand is, if you make it to where I made it, you you hope you don't when you're committing suicide. And I know that's what you hope. I know, you hope that you don't make it to the emergency room. You hope that you don't make it there. You hope that when they come get you, it's over. 
but they're going to take you to the emergency room first if they find the least little bit of pulse because your family different outcome so it didn't matter whether i had a pulse or not my husband was going to make them take me to the emergency room because he was not accepting what i did i slept for almost two days i lost almost two days so the rest that i said i told god i needed he made sure i got it so may i ask a question can you share with us yeah what was what was the what was what caused you to go not the suicide attempt of but it was my fifth one i was older i knew i wasn't gonna have any more babies something just, i was 39 38 but i just knew i just something in my heart said that this was the last one my mother my adopted can mom you, had died six months say? before that. So, you know, those wives tell, a yeah, spirit dies for a spirit to live. I felt like she was giving me that back. And I was having a hard time with her passing. I did that for years. And that didn't work. So I, that depression just laid and laid. And I didn't go see anybody about it. After, I did at first, but then I didn't follow up. I just said, I'll deal with it. My pastor said, it's okay to have a pastor and a therapist. Those are two different things that you're dealing with. So, but I didn't know that at the time, you know. Then we pushed forward and I'm working, I'm working, I'm working, I'm working, and I'm just pushing it down, pushing it down. In two years time, I lost both my fathers, my father and my stepfather. So it just kept piling on and piling on. And then it just got to where I couldn't take anymore. Thank you so much for saying that. Right. One thing I say a lot is people who, who attempt suicide, even people who are successful at dying by suicide, majority, if not all of them, exactly. just have found a situation where despair, helplessness, and hopelessness, all of those things, rolled up into one is never one thing or is never one just one time or one event and it's not a weakness on your part it's not laziness on your part it's a combination of multiple factors that finally got you to say you know what i just oh you are so right so right you can't you have to journal you have to get it out start by doing that you have to at least if you if you don't want to take medicine as first try therapy and the reason i say therapy people is because that person is unbiased to you that person has no has no nothing invested into your story nothing invested in your life you can be open cuss scream holler say whatever you want to say that's going on with you they're not going to judge you for what you're saying they're not going to judge you for your past and that is why that's I mean, an important point to mention because a lot of people right. don't go a exactly. lot of people don't go to get help because they're afraid of telling their family members telling their friends what are they going to say they're going to judge me they're going to think i'm weak they're going to think i'm 
you know, one thing or the other, that is very, very Exactly. A lot of people don't go to get help because of that. So thank you for mentioning that the therapist is on your side. The therapist has nothing to gain by... Right. He's a human being, but they're there to help. Oh, yes. Yes, you're exactly right. And sometimes, it's like shoes, people. The first time it don't fit, try another one, try another one. And if you're looking for someone, I agree sometimes, if you're looking for someone that looks like us, when you're looking, look for that first. And look into it, if, that, if that's what you need, write down what you need in the therapy before you go looking. Because if you go in first and the skin don't fit or the voice don't fit or the sex don't fit, if you want a female or a male instead of the opposite, you're instantly going to block off. So write down what you want and that's what you go looking for. I love it. I absolutely love it. Exactly. Oh my God. That's who you're going to talk to. For those at the back. That's something that's very, very important, getting the right therapist, getting, as a matter of fact, no one has ever said to me, write down what you want from the therapy right. session process before going, looking, it's like, it's like, you want to marry a husband. Well, you got to write down what qualities you want, then you can find the person. I've never even thought about it that way. Right. That is so powerful, what you just said. That is so true. So ma'am, could you tell us, um, so once you, I mean, thank you so much for sharing your story. I can't even, oh my goodness. That's, that's oh, I know. the fact yeah. that you survived it. Well, in, I, I know you're writing the book. The, I, I know you're writing the anthology, but besides the anthology and of course the therapy, what else have you found that's worked for you? You know, after you got better, you got out of the hospital. Right. How is life now? How has maybe your husband, your family, your children, I don't know. What have you found that worked for you that got you, you know, here? Right. Now, even, I mean, if it's not therapy, and then later when you move to medicine, I'm going to tell you, medicine, when you find the right fit, is like a window opened up and the right breeze came through. I'm mm -hmm. telling you, it is. It's like the right sweetener in that tea. Or when it's a cool day, when it's a hot day and somebody gives you the right soda or the right water, it is amazing. So don't knock it. I'm telling you. But it's all trial and error to your body. It's like anything. What works for one person doesn't work for the other. That's why you can't mix it and take something for something that somebody else. When it fits and works, it is a wonderful thing. So just, God did not mean for us to suffer. He did not mean for us to be in pain. He did not mean, he meant for us to go through trials and tribulations, but he meant for us to have a working order of how we get through them. And mental health is no different than that. He, he, there's a way for us to work through it and have coping skills to get through it. You just have to find a way and a support and to surround yourself with the right people that understand 
when you're hitting triggers, when you when something sets you off, when something has hit you the wrong way, when you're having a bad day, and encourage you. You need the right girlfriend that when you have a girlfriend or a boyfriend or a guy friend, that when you're having a bad day, they show up to your house with the right flavor ice cream, the right flavor food, the right movie. And I love that because yeah, sometimes you need the right friend, the right food. <laughs> oh my goodness, that is amazing. I love that. Thank you so much for throwing that little piece in. Yeah. Sometimes you just need that person that's going to say the right thing to you, bring the right food or whatever. Just call you a little <laughs> bit or whatever. Hold your hand. That may be just it, just to hold your hand and tell you everything is going to be right. Good, you know, as opposed to judging you or trying to, you know, make you feel worse. Than you already do things like that right but you have in order to get there you have to get help so that that window opens and you see that you need that don't don't hurt the don't be upset at those people that couldn't help you before they just did not they were not used to seeing you that way you are always been the one that helped them always been the one that was so positive because you were wearing the mask. You were wearing the mask that helped you get through your day, wearing the mask that I'm okay all the time and going home and crying in the shower, going home and eating the food that help you cope through it, going home and doing whatever masking addictive behavior that got you through it. So you can't blame them for treating you the way that you gave them the power to do it. So don't get upset with them. They don't know the one behind the mask. The mask, you didn't give them that power. So now you have to go get help so that you can open it and spread your wings and fly like a butterfly like you're supposed to and be your true authentic self. Because that's who you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be able to be you in any circle that you are. And only put up the mask of how we're supposed to get a job or how we're supposed to be around certain people. But you're not supposed to have to do that 24 hours a day. Wow, ma'am. Didi, <laughs> thank you. You have been amazing. You've just well, been nuggets you. and nuggets and nuggets and just teaching and teaching and teaching. I hope the listeners got it. I hope they heard the passion yeah. the and the compassion and the need to help in your voice, which I really, really appreciate. That's right. Preach that. That's right. Exactly. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Okay, ma'am. Thank you so much for coming. I appreciate it. I look forward to, to speaking with you some more. Um, and hearing some more of your stories. Well, thank you. I just hope that my story and my way of coping with it helps somebody feel like they can do it or at least start the, the first help. That's what our journey is. That's what these books are about. That's what we are advocating for. That's what this whole thing is about, is we want to get the message out there that you're not alone. And we're opening ourselves to open the door to let you know that if you read one of our stories, it'll hit you. Oh, that's me. Like you said, that's me. 
You're telling my story. That was me. We want other people to be that way. All right. Well, thank you so much, ma'am. I look forward to speaking to you again, okay? Okay. You thank too. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Till next time. Yes, ma'am. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.